Hey, what's up, guys? It's your boy Feño. This is the Early Playing Podcast, and we're here to talk about fights. We have MMA fights in particular, by the way. <laughs> you already know this. Like, I, I'm not sure I have a lot of new listeners, but but you know, we gotta go through the formalities to keep the podcast alive. We have PFL last week, uh, the first event since PFL acquired Bellator. So I'm probably titling this episode like PFLator or something. <laughs> I don't know, uh, all the jokes have already been done, so I don't give a shit. Uh, so yeah, there was a lot of Bellator guys, uh, the champions and all that crap, during the uh, on the event, watching the fights. And we have a very good UFC fight night going on this Saturday. So I'm very excited about that. And we have a few fight announcements. That will be the episode. Let's get into PFL. PFL, this was a pay-per-view. I thought it was, uh, as a pay-per-view, it was pretty like luster on paper. And it showed to be that on practice. It it was a bit of a mess. Uh, maybe the worst pay-per-view of the year from a big organization. Let's remember most Bellator. Are Bellator's pay-per-views? I don't think Bellator has put on a card like this bad because it don't get me wrong there was a lot of important fights but it was rough it was rough it was super long not very fun to watch but let's get into it main event uh and probably the best fight uh quality wise at least uh we saw olivier Ovimassier against clay collard um uh oem Getting to grapple, taking the back, stalling rounds like that. Clay Collard doing some stuff on the feet, but not very good like cage awareness, getting his back against the cage a lot. He was getting stuff done with the calf kicks and the body work, especially late. Uh, this was a unanimous decision win for OAM. I thought uh, scoring wise, it was super close in my opinion. Uh, you could give like Collard like uh, maybe two, but most likely. Okay, so I had to interrupt the recording because I didn't have my phone in Do Not Disturb, and someone in WhatsApp called me from Niger. How the hell did that happen, man? But hey, shout outs to everyone in Niger, it is appreciated. <laughs> okay, getting back to the topic, uh, I thought. You could maybe give uh, Collar the second round on damage, but it was very close and OAM dominated the, the grappling. I thought three and four very clear for Collar. And then the fifth for, was for sure for OAM and, and the, the first two. So it was with a swing round. Uh, the judges did not agree. They gave like, all of them gave like four four rounds to OEM. So yeah, it's whatever. It was kind of lame fight. I mean, both guys did like cool stuff, but it did not make for a very entertaining watch. Apparently, Olivier is retiring after this, which is a bummer. Like, I mean, he did like, he did win a million dollars, so very good for him, but I would have liked uh, to see him against higher level of opposition. I mean, Collard is pretty good, but 
no, not a super compelling matchup for him, and he still won the fight. Even though I, I maybe do not agree with the decision, but it's whatever. So yeah, I mean, it would suck that if OEM is not fighting the the Bellator champion, whoever is it, by the time they make the champion versus championship. Co-main event have Henan Ferreira against Denis Goldsov. It was whatever, really, wasn't putting attention. Goldsov got an easy takedown, then Ferreira got to his feet and then landed like a heavyweight punch. Whatever. Uh, how does Ferreira does against Bader? Like, Bader can obviously take him down and mold him on the ground, but also he's Bader, so maybe he, he can get bonked by Ferreira. I'm not really interested either way. Before that, we have Larissa Pacheco against Marina Mognakina. Uh, awful fight. Uh, Pacheco did not look great. Uh, not a lot of output. She, she hurt Mognakina quite a few times, but didn't follow to for the finish. Uh, Mognakina went for some leg locks, some stuff. Uh, I mean, the, the, the most hype moment of the fight was... Uh, was it a Nibar? Yeah, a Nibar attempt on the first round. Uh, it was whatever. You know, what's next for Pacheco? Maybe uh, apparently a cyborg fight. We'll get into that later. Magomed Magomed Karimov fought Sadibusai. Um, very ugly loser fight, but then Magomed Karimov started get go uh, get going. Uh, the end of the fight comes as he lands a nice straight right to the body that hurts Adibusai. Adibusai start getting on his bike. Uh, Magomed Kerimov is pressuring. Sai shoots for a takedown. Magomed Kerimov gets a great guillotine. So, yeah, cool. And Magomed Kerimov against uh, a Bellator champion. My boy, my new boy. Uh, is it Jason Jackson? I don't remember even the name, man. Yeah, Jason Jackson. Uh, that sounds like a great fight. Uh, I'm I'm excited about it, even though I did not remember Jason Jackson's name. Again, uh, apparently Jason Jackson used to be boring before that that last fight, but he looked great, so I, I'm all for it. Before that, we have a like heavyweight uh, tournament fight: uh, Impact Sanganai against Josh Silvera. Very solid performance by Kasanganai, who used to fight at 170 and 185. Uh, kind of on the small side for 205, but he looks like solid and physical. Uh, one of the best performances of the night, to be honest. He looks solid, taking angles after attacking, uh, good shot selection, the take the defense was solid, and when he was taken down, he was working to get back up immediately. He looks very strong for the division. Uh, so if he wants to fight like Nemkov, Maybe a good fight. I think Namco probably takes him down, but, but who knows? I mean, Impa looking solid here. Happy for him. Getting a million dollars. Um, Silveira didn't put mu uh, much of a fight, but he was... I mean, he was game. He was staying in the fight. He was throwing hard. And when Kasanganai was like starting to open up more, Silveira was finding his spots to keep him at, at margin, but... Like, I mean, solid performance by Kasanganai. Kyle Harrison versus Aspen Ladd was, like, an okay fight. Uh, better than it had any right to be. Uh, Ladd having some cool moments uh, during grappling, especially, but throwing, again, throwing away the opportunities going for, like, 
either like controlling positions that gave uh, Harrison options or just going for sloppy submission attempts. Either way, it was a solid fight. Uh, I agree with most people saying Aspelad should be fighting at 135. She's not big enough. Uh, Harrison keeps being solid. Uh, Harrison, I call out to one Bellator girl that thinks she's a bad bitch. So we are hopefully expecting for Kyla Harrison versus Elise Carmouche in the future. No. Um, obviously, she was referring to Cyborg. But uh, Bellator dude, uh, don't even know the name of the guy, the new Scott Coker. Uh, he's saying it's Pacheco versus Cyber next because he's the champion versus championship. Uh, I think, I mean, I'm okay with that fight, even though I think uh, Cyborg wins like super easily against Pacheco, but Pacheco has power. I think Kyla Harrison versus Cyborg is a way bigger fight and it's also a more compelling matchup. I still favor Cyborg in there, to be honest. But I still, still, I think they're dropping the ball there. And then Derek Bronson had his debut against Ray Cooper the third. Ray Cooper did not look great here, physically, mentally. Uh, he looked checked out here. He still managed to rock Bronson when he was on one foot. Other than that, solid performance by Bronson. And. And yeah, Bronson complained about the, the one thing that we all complain about PFL, that it was the elbows. No elbows on the ground. Not even during, like, exhibition fights. I mean, not exhibition, but, like, non-tournament fights or the finals, uh, which is super dumb. Like, it's a watered-down MMA. I was joking that PFL fans move on from, from the violence. They are not interested about the violence. They are only interested about the... They're only interested about the stats that we're getting from the smart gauge trademark. So the AI was whatever. That was the pay-per-view. Uh the the final of the of the featherweight tournament. So Jesus Pinedo versus Gabriel Baga, Alves Braga did not watch that fight. I'm going to catch up with that because Pinedo seems cool and he won by TKO on the third round. That was not part of the pay-per-view, was that was like the main event of the prelims. And and also an amateur bout in uh, with Biagi Oli Walsh or whatever. That was. Um, am I excited for PFL moving forwards? I mean the the Bellator versus PFL champions things is a bit compelling, but but they are not giving fights to to bantamweight champion from uh, Bellator Apache Mix and also the middleweight champion Evelyn who. Those are two of the best champions they have over there. And PFL not interested in holding tournaments for those divisions to have champions to fight them. So it's a bit disappointing on that end. Uh, what, are, what are they doing with them? Uh, are they moving up? I don't know. But but yeah, I mean, bring back the elbows, please. Yeah, we need elbows. Please give us elbows. Uh, elbows are so cool. We all love elbows. And PFL is like, nah, we're we're not having elbows. I mean, I, we get it during the dumb playoffs thing. And, but I, I already criticized PFL. I think the playoff uh, format, it's all right. But they're still doing like manipulating the shit with the matchmaking. And then Burgos got like a million opportunities after losing a bunch of fights. So, yeah, I mean, you're trying to make it look like a legitimate sport. Uh taking matchmaking out of the way, but it's not like that at all. 
So it kind of sucks, man. And you gotta take a stand here. Are you gonna go like the real sport route? Or you're gonna go with like cool matchmaking because I would be okay with that too. Let's get into some fight announcements. Um, what do we have here? First of all, uh, Mursakano was supposed to fight uh, Khalil Roundtree. That was a very good fight, uh, 205, but Mursakano sadly is out. Anthony Smith is in. Uh, the less interesting fight, uh, a lot of potential for Khalil Roundtree to absolutely murder Anthony Smith, but also a small chance that Anthony Smith gets this one to the ground somehow and submits Khalil Roundtree because he's not a good grappler. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's alright. It's alright because Khalil Roundtree is involved, so it's not going to be boring. Uh, either Smith shows, shows up and puts on a good fight or he's getting murdered. Either way, probably a good fight. Not gonna complain about this. Loma Lukbumi is fighting Bruna Brasil. Uh, Bruna Brasil very big for 115 and Loma small. So interesting, interesting. Uh, I hope Lukbumi wins this one uh, because I like her a lot. I think her style is super good to watch. But this one looks a bit rough. Uh, but maybe, maybe Loma can win. I mean, Bruno Brasil has a lot of flaws on the feet. And maybe Lukbumi can get like top position. Maybe, but top position for her is kind of risky against like these lengthier girls that can can get the sweeps going and stuff like that. Brazil also athletic and has power. So probably a, probably a fun fight to watch. Blake Builder is fighting Young Young Lee. Uh, I don't remember Young Young Lee. Is he a, a road to UFC guy? But Black Builder looks fun. Um, looks alright. Uh, very limited, but he's like inexperienced. He's probably getting better fight to fight. Uh, I, I was I was about to say like Black Builder probably wins this one, but I don't remember Young Young Lee. Maybe I even wrote about him for the road to UFC finals uh, last year. Who knows? Pedro Munoz is fighting Kyler Phillips, and this one is like, alright, I think uh, Pedro Munoz's days as an action fighter are kinda over, he's looking to have like, slow tactical fights, uh, Kyler Phillips probably going to look to annoy him a lot from range, uh, Pedro Munoz does have the leg kicks to deal with that, so that will be interesting to see, uh, Kyler Phillips wrestles a lot, but Pedro Munoz is almost unwrestable, and has very good scrambling. Yeah, I mean, it's a good fight. It's a good fight. A lot of potential to be very annoying just because uh, how Pedro Munoz is fighting lately and Kyler Phillips tends tend to be on the annoying side for me. But it's a good fight between good fighters, so not much to complain about here. And it's like solid matchmaking. Then Hooker was supposed to fight uh, Bobby Green for five rounds uh, as a co-main event this weekend. Uh, Dan Hooker is out, Jalen Turner is in, very interesting, only three rounds by the way. Now we'll talk about this in the preview, so we'll leave it at that. Jack Hermanson is getting another main event for some reason against Joe Pfeiffer, obviously they're looking for Joe Pfeiffer to get a big win here, and I think he's going to get it, but, but Hermanson very tough, but 
the thing with Pfeiffer is that he's a very good grappler, so I doubt Hermanson will like get a leg lock or a crazy guillotine that he likes. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think Pfeiffer is going to get like yet another big knockout or submission here. Probably a knockout, to be honest. Uh, Jim Miller is fighting Gabriel Mogli Benitez. And this one should be fun, but a huge kicker like Mowgli always makes me a bit concerned for a, an old guy like Jim Miller. But Jim still super tough, very crafty. You, you know he you give him like a like an easy fight and he's going to knock the fuck out of that of that kid. Uh, this seems like good matchmaking. I'm excited for this one. Uh, obviously Benitez like passed it, like obviously not to the level of Jim Miller, but Jim Miller been looking more solid lately i think so yeah this this is good matchmaking i i have no complaints about this and those are the fights really let's get into the fight night uh ufc fight night darush versus sarukian many darush versus arman sarukian what's going on in this fight um i think darush has a lot of tools to deal with sarukian's strengths especially his his ability to defend takedowns, to generate scrambles to get back to his feet. He has a huge southpaw uh, body kick. And, and all those are like very good tools. Sarukian on his part has uh, tremendous cardio, the physicality, uh, the speed advantage over Darius here. But it, I think it's the cardio and the, the fact that this is five rounds that makes me like side with Sarukian a little bit more. I think Darius has a lot of tools to deal with him, but it's it's like not a wash on the feet. I think Sarukian is like not a super layered uh, striker when it comes to defense or putting offense together, but he's kind of smart. Like he finds what's working. He goes to the well with whatever it's working and he has like Tremendous attributes. He's very fast. He's explosive, um, and the cardio. The cardio absurd. It makes me worried for Darius if Sarukian just like goes to wrestle, and even if he gets like nothing done, uh, Darius might get tired if, uh, on the long run. Sarukian also like not a tremendous finisher on the feet, like but he hits very hard. Or he might find something. But yeah, I mean, winnable fight for Darius. And Darius, again, is only 34, 27, 28 fights into his career. Sarukian already 23 fights into his career. So, But Sar Sarukian, obviously, only 27. Uh, probably still has prime to go. Uh, Darius, obviously, has seen better days, but still looks very solid. I don't know. It's hard to, talk, uh, hard to call, but a very good fight. A very good fight. I'm not a fan on, of Armand Sarukian, but for sure not a hater. I think he's a very good fighter. Even if he's like very good in, in ways that I don't find very compelling, I think uh, it's undeniable the quality that he has very good attributes and he knows how to use those attributes to win fights. Um, yeah, I mean, excited to see some scrambles in this fight, uh, them exchanging open side kicks. Uh, I think that both guys like a lot. Uh, Darius, I expect to be like the more crafty striker here, but Sarukian for sure, the, the quicker one with more power. And yeah, I mean, it's a good fight. It's a good fight. I'm very excited. Uh, if Darius gets to win this one, 
that would be huge to be honest i would be very impressed so co-main event as i said it was supposed to be dan hooker versus bobby green Jalen turner gets in a late notice uh does Jalen turner make weight for this one because he's a big dude he's a large lad uh so what's going on here? Uh, my gut reaction was, oh, Jalen Turner is going to land a 1-2 on Bobby Green. But Bobby Green for already preparing for a very long guy. So that's good for him. Uh, also, Bobby Green, not very hard to, uh, I mean, not very easy to kick at range. Um, so surprisingly good uh, kick defense Bobby Green has, despite like being kind of heavy on the front foot, but he stands kind of tall, so that plays into his advantage. Uh, what can Bobby Green get done here? Um, if they get into pocket exchanges, it could be very interesting because both guys like very dangerous there. I think Turner, probably the guy with a lot of more firepower here, but Bobby Green, if he gets the initiative, he can make, he can maybe like frustrate Turner with angles. Uh, the better defense, is on Bobby Green's side, but Bobby still depends a lot on like reflexes, seeing shots coming, so he can he maybe get thrown off by Turner. Um, yeah, I mean, and Turner not much, not that big of a kicker as Hooker is. I mean, like maybe a more powerful kicker, but Hooker has like a kicking game together. Turner has good kicks, but he's a lot more of like. Sending up like a super long one too, or making you close distance to catch you with a brilliant left hook, and also changes stances a lot. Uh, interesting to see Bobby Green wrestles here. Uh, Turner like not super easy to wrestle, but he can get he can be put uh, down flat on his back, so maybe Green has some success there. The clinch is also interesting because I would say Green is stronger in the clinch, but Turner is so fucking tall that it's kind of hard to deal with him there. I don't know, it's a, it's a very good fight. Uh, at least Green was preparing for something similar, but yeah, I mean, kind of scared for Bobby here. Uh, either way, I'm a big fan of both guys, so it's cool, it's cool. Before that, we have another big fight, uh, Rob Font against Davis on Fioredo, former flyweight champion, moves up to Bantamweight to fight uh, like a staple of the top five of the division, Rob Font here. Uh, what's going on in this fight? Um, I think Rob Font kind of a bad matchup for Figueredo just because uh, Figueredo has had trouble dealing with jabs and the answer for the jab is like the cross counter, uh, Rob Font hard to cross counter, you should ask Adrian Janias about that. And it has been talked by, by Sriram, by Ryan Wagner about the qualities of Rob Font to deal with the, the counters and being an active jabber. The output of Rob Font is insane, and I think we'll have uh, Figueredo will have some trouble dealing with that. The shin the, of Figueredo that he used to big to to a lot of success in flyweight has been looked diminished more and more lately. He's moving up a weight class, so maybe his ability to take punches gets better. But also, he's going to get punched by a guy with way larger fists than anyone at 125. Rob Font is a big dude at 135. Now we'll have a a very a pretty big like reach advantage. Um, so yeah, I mean, and if they grapple, like I think Rofont should have an advantage. I mean, Figueredo probably more explosive and 
maybe even stronger during like burst scrambles, but during more prolonged stuff, I, I would expect Rafont to have like better positioning. Uh, Figueredo is solid jiu-jitsu, but he's a more like a sprint guy. Rafont, a more methodical guy. Uh, not really expecting either guy to wrestle more. Maybe Rafon like finding a single leg here and there, and that could be dangerous because Figueredo a tremendous guillotine. But yeah, I mean it's a good, it's a cool fight. It's a cool fight. Um, both guys like passed it a little bit, but let's remember Figueredo only 35, not that old, even though he's been looking like kind of mid lately, and Rafon is. 36. I think Rofont still has a few years in him, especially if he like if he can still take punches like we saw against Sanhagen, we saw against Adrian Janius. So the the chin is not like completely gone. He just got hurt by big big punchers against Marlon Vera and Jose Aldo, and neither of those finishing. So maybe maybe the chin is not that concerning for Rofon moving forwards. Figueredo is a big puncher though. I have no doubt that he will carry a scary power at 135. It's like, to be honest, I, I usually like don't understand that. Oh, his power is not going to transfer to the next weight class. Usually when that happens is because the smaller guy has trouble reaching uh, the bigger dudes with clean connections. It's not that, oh, they don't have enough power for the next vision. That, that's bullshit, man. You see a huge puncher, he's going to be a huge puncher on the next division. Like, you just gotta trust your eyes. Like, a big punch is a big punch no matter the division. That's why Robert Whittaker was putting guys out at 185. It's not that uh, the power got better. I mean, probably with a, a little bit more, more weight, it comes more power. But it's, like, not... I think people don't understand when they say, oh, the power the power is transferring well to the next division. It's not that, oh, you need this percentage more power to hurt bigger dudes. It's not like that. It's that sometimes, especially shorter fighters, they move up a division and they are not finding clean connections. It's not that they do not punch hard enough. It's that they need to connect clean. You need to connect clean to put someone out. And if you're not finding the punches, that can cost you, but... But if Figueredo connects on any 135er Shin, he's going to hurt them because he's a big ass puncher with explosive power. That's that's just how it is. Like Shad Mendes was only 5'5, fighting at 145, and he was putting dudes out. Like he could he could lose some muscle and make 135 for sure. So yeah, it's not it's not about that. It's not about that. It's about like getting those clean connections, especially when you don't have tools to close the distance. Figueredo is not going to be like a super... Uh, he's going to be on the short side, but his reach, his reach is actually very decent for 135. Uh, here, in this matchup in particular, I would I could see Figueredo having trouble landing on the super long font that has a game that revolves around being long, so... So yeah. But Figueredo is going to be a puncher at 135 if he stays here. That that I have no doubt. I'm still siding with Font big time for this one. But Figueredo still has a few chances with the guillotine. Landing a big fucking punch is always a chance for Figueredo. We have Sean Brady against Kelvin Gastelum. I know, rough, man. Rough for Brady because Gastelum, Gastelum has some 
moments on the ground he can get submitted. Uh, we saw what Jack Hermanson accomplished with a leg lock, and we saw Chris Whiteman uh, dominating on the ground. But Chris Whiteman is a big ass dude. Um, I wonder what kind of shape Kelvin Gastelum will show up here. I don't know, to be honest. Uh, hopefully, he shows up in good shape. Uh, if he does and he was working on him, on the wrestling, I think this should be like an easy win for him. Like way bigger power than anyone that Brady has ever seen. Kelvin Gastelum, even at 170, is super quick. And I think even at his age, he's only 32, but uh, quite a... Quite a rough career against a little position, but I think, yeah, 170 was always the weight class for Kelvin. Also, like, uh, Kelvin not going to... Go, he's going to have, like, almost, like, reach and size parity with uh, Brady. So that's good for him, too. Um, yeah, I think I think I gotta side with Gastelum, but it all depends on how he shows up, if he makes weight and all that. If Gastelum doesn't make weight, I think Brady should not take the fight, to be honest. Like, what's the upside? Uh, Brady obviously looking to rebound after his loss to Bilal Mohamed. Uh, I think he was looking solid on the feet against Mohamed early. But then Mohamed started, started landing. Uh, Brady ran out of defensive options and started falling apart. Uh, but I, I still somewhat high on Brady. And if he can generate like some crazy scramble, he might submit Castellum. So it is not all loss for him. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a bit rough matchmaking for him. Before that, we have Clay Guida against uh, Joaquim Silva, Neto BJJ. Interesting fight because uh, Neto BJJ has solid takedown defense. Um, Clay Guida, maybe his best boxing form has been coming late into his career, uh, having more power than ever before, throwing good overhands and left hooks. Uh, should be a fun fight. Uh, Silva can tire, and with us still have has a fucking gas tank, man. Uh, but Silva has takedown defense, has power, so this is an interesting fight that either guy could win. It's all right. It's a good all all dude fight. I mean. Joaquim Silva only 34, but I think he has been fighting for more than 10 years, so past his prime, I would say, and never that good, like never elite. But it's a compelling matchup. I'm all for it. For some reason, on the main card, we have Punahele Soriano versus Dustin Stoltfus. Um, Stoltfus only one win against Dwight Grant in the UFC, a bunch of losses. Uh, Puna. Been having it rough lately, coming off a TKO against Roman Kopilov. Stolfus himself uh, lost to Abus Magomedov. So why is this on the main card? I don't know. It's an or from a matchmaking perspective, I understand it. But why giving the spotlight to this? I don't know. Uh, who's going to win? I mean, I would guess Puna because he has the power. But Puna falls apart, man. And I think if it goes long, like Stoltfus maybe gets something going. I don't know. Misha Tate is fighting uh, Julia Avila. Uh, who? <laughs> Some of you might ask. Uh, Julia, Julia Avila is a girl that fights like an absolute maniac. 
and she has like two PhDs, like she's supposedly like insanely smart and she fights so dumb <laughs> inside the cage, but it is fun to watch sometimes. And I think that this is like rough matchmaking for Misha because because Misha has been struggling on the physical side lately in her career. I mean, he came back for Marion Renault that was like 43 years old, uh, got a win there. Then she moved down to flyweight. I don't know, no, no, no. She, she stayed on 135 for Ketelen Vieira. Ketelen Vieira beat the shit out of Misha Tate. Like, beat the shit out of her. Out athlete her everywhere. Then Misha Tate moved down to 125, fought like super strong, but not like very impressive athlete in Lauren Murphy. And Lauren Murphy just was better than her and stronger than her. So yeah, I mean, now she's fighting a girl that is, let's be honest, a lot less skilled than Murphy and Vieira. But uh, Julia Avila is a fucking monster, man. And I think... If she doesn't tire, Misha is going to have a rough night here. Maybe Julia Avila is like not very good, but she's fun because she's insane. She fights so aggressive, man. The ground and pound goes crazy. Cody Brundage is still on the UFC. Oh, because he's coming off a win, right? <laughs> because Jacob Malkoon got disqualified because of an elbow to the back of the head that wasn't really an elbow to the back of the head. Whatever. He's fighting Zach Reese, who is Zach Reese, a contender series guy that I do not remember, so whatever. Reese apparently like a submission guy, so maybe he's going to submit uh, Cody Brundage. I don't care. Joe Solecki versus Drakkar Close is actually a good fight. Drakkar Close looking very solid in his last two wins against Rafa Garcia and against Brandon Jenkins. I thought he looked very solid and more aggressive. Uh, actually winning Dakar Close instead of like getting bullshit decisions Dakar Close, I'm all for that. And Solek is solid. Uh, he's only lost a uh, split against uh, Jared Gordon. Uh, the, the thing with Solek is that he's not very athletic, but he's very solid, especially uh, as a... He's solid on the feet and he's a solid grappler, especially very dangerous on the ground. Uh, he controlled Jim Miller on the ground, which is very impressive. Uh, and got a submission against Carl on the third in his last fight. Uh, so yeah, Solek is solid. Uh, I think he will have trouble because Dragar Close is very hard to wrestle. Uh, Dragar Close is good in the clinch. Solek maybe has a, like a boxing advantage, but Close has uh, punches. I mean, has kicks and knees at distance. And so yeah, I mean, this is a very good fight. This is a very good fight. Maybe like both guys are not known for like fight of the night kind of fights. But they are very skilled, and I think this is a solid, solid fight. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Before that, we have uh, a one that is guaranteed action. We have Steve Garcia versus Melchizedek Costa. Steve Garcia, you know, as the guy that beat the shit out out of Chase Cooper, um, landing like huge hooks uh, every time Hooker was trying to to close distance and get takedowns. And then on his last fight against uh, Shailen Nurbandieke, he caught him with an uppercut to the body and a big comeback win. It was very exciting. So yeah, I mean, Steve Garcia is fun. He's not like super good, but he's fun. 
And Melchizal has a very good, like, southpaw kicking performance against Austin Lingo in his last outing. So it, it's going to be Steve Garcia looking to land huge, huge punches. And Melchizal Costa trying to, like, control the distance and land huge body kicks. So this is a kind of fight that is always going to be exciting. I'm all for it. Ihor Potiera, the duelist, is fighting Rodolfo Bellato. Uh, Bellato looked very solid in the Contender Series. Um, and Potiera is like, alright. He's like... The thing with Potiera is that he fights like a super athletic, big 205er. And in the context of the UFC, he's not that athletic. He's not that long. So... But he still has a lot of power. Potiera does. But I think I, I gotta side with Bellato. That actually looks solid. I've never been impressed with the duelist, sadly. But if the duelists win, I hope we get a, a new version of the dance because we all we all want that. My nickname is the duelist. I'm not going to do the whole thing, <laughs> but I did not shoot because I respect my opponent. Why did I make like a GSP accent? I don't know. <laughs> we have Wellington Turman against Jared Gooden. Uh, Jared Gooden. Uh, came back to the UFC, had a fight against Carson Harris. Carson Harris, I rate as an underrated 170. Um, and yeah, Turman looks solid in the Randy Brown fight, to be honest. Well, he looked alright. Uh, very long for this division. Uh, Gooden is solid, but he, he's a bit of a head case. I think he falls apart during fights, like mentally especially. He's also a bit limited, but he... He hits very hard and has like good takedown defense earlier. I think Turman is going to take this one to the ground and maybe submit uh, Gooden. Gooden should look to land hard early on Turman. It's, a, it's an alright action fight at 170. And the opening fight is Jamie Lynn Horth against Veronica Hardy, Nee Macedo. Uh, I don't remember this uh, Jamie Lynn Horth girl. Is she like a striker? I don't know. And Veronica Hardy came back after like three years to fight Juliana Miller. Juliana Miller, not very good. And Hardy looked alright. And that's it. I don't have much to say about this fight, to be honest, because I don't remember the, this Canadian girl, Jamie Lynn Hardy. So it's whatever. And that's the event. Actually, it's very good. <laughs> it's very good. Uh, fights to watch out for. The main event is great. Jalen Turner versus Bobby Green, great. Rob Font versus Davison Figueredo, great. Sean Brady versus Kelvin Gastelum, interesting, could be a fun fight. Clay Wida versus Joaquim Silva is like a good fight. Punahele versus Tolfos, whatever. Misha Tate versus Julia Avila, whatever, but maybe Avila kills her, so that could be fun. Not that I'm anti Misha Tate, but. <laughs> Katie Brandage versus Agris, whatever. Joe Solecki versus Raka Close, good. Steve Garcia versus Melchisa Costa, good. Uh, Ihor Potiera versus Bellato is probably going to be like sloppy fun, so at least there's that. Wellington Turman versus Jared Gooden is probably going to be fun to watch. Unless Turman gets like on the back of Jared Gooden, Jared Gooden defense Renegade choke for three rounds. Maybe. And then the opening fight, I have no thoughts, so that's the event. And that's the podcast. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. 
and let's get into the last part. As always, remember guys that the Yearly Premium Podcast is brought to you by X Marshall, a Compass Sport brand dedicated to supporting the Jiu-Jitsu community. Their goal is to create a fun training environment with unique and exciting designs and promote the gym culture we all love. X Marshall offers a range of products including rash guard shots, spats, keys, streetwear and trainer equipment. Use code THEFIGHTSIDE, all caps, no spaces, to get a 10% discount on your order now. And for the best deals and discounts, sign up to the mailing list and follow their socials at xmarshallofficial. Thank you, xmarshall. And remember that if you guys want to support the fight site as an ongoing project, you can always support us on Patreon for $5 to get access to our Discord server. You get to chat with a lot of cool people about martial arts, combat sports, and whatever. You can make friends. You can, we get together to watch the fights. Uh, it's fun, it's fun. Uh, we have a, a cool community going on. And also you get access to our backlog of exclusive content, especially a lot of videos that we cannot put anywhere else. A lot of cool stuff over there. Make sure to check out the fight site for long written form content. And that's it for the podcast. Thank you so much, guys. I'll catch you guys on the next one. Bye.